When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The NFL Scouting Combine is officially in the books. What does this mean for the NFL Draft landscape? What does it mean for the Steelers? And what insight can we get from some prominent media personalities? It is the Steelers Fix, part of the all-new Steel Curtain Network, brought to you by the all-new Fans First Sports Network. Make sure you go and follow both of these on Twitter. Follow us at Steel C Network for the Steel Curtain Network, at Fans First SN for the Fans First Network. And as of course, as always at BT Steel Curtain for Behind the Steel Curtain. Be sure to check us out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Alongside, as always, Jeremy Betts. Before we get into anything, Jeremy, how was your combine experience this year? It was good, man. I got to watch every second of it uh, from the comfort of my couch and uh, made time for that so I could write the... Uh, recaps of each day, um, the workouts that they covered um, that we got to see on TV. Then I went into the NFL.com results uh, page as well to get some of the side information I was getting to. But I really wanted to focus in on the guys who excelled, uh, the highlights of the combine in those recaps, and then uh, also to give a shout out to the guys who maybe they didn't fly in the 40, but they looked really good on the field during on-field drills. I think that that weighs more in the minds of some of these or of most scouts and um, GMs and decision makers anyway, how they look moving on the field as opposed to can they run in a straight line 40 yards fast, you know? So it was fun though, uh, getting to do it from home, but man, sounds like you had the experience of a lifetime though, uh, getting to be there at the combine. Andrew, tell us a little bit about that, man. That had to be fun. It, it was fantastic. It was a fantastic opportunity. Uh, got to go down for SB Nation and cover the event. Was in the media rooms, uh, meeting during the all the interview times. The interviews, some of which were on uh, NFL Network, some of which were just in you know the NFL Plus app. Uh, but you can go and check out pretty much those most of those interviews anywhere. I have a bunch of recordings, small recordings, at least when I was you know about to ask a question to one of the draft prospects. I'm going to try to upload as many of those as I can. I have a lot of them, but I'm going to try to upload as many as I can to my YouTube channel, Andrew Wilbar Fantasy Football awesome. and NFL Draft. So um, hopefully that will be out within you know the next couple of days. If it's not up by the time that the show comes out, uh, we'll get that up. But it was fantastic. Not only getting to talk to players, but also some prominent personalities, which we're yeah. going to hear about later in the show. So I'm going to tell you, we have Mina Kimes from ESPN. You're going to hear a clip it interview later. Former Steelers safety Ryan Clark. Let's go RC himself. Yes. Right he on. is going to be joining the Steelers fix later in the show. So don't go anywhere. Former Steelers offensive lineman and current Steelers radio announcer, Max Starks. 
Awesome. He's joining as well as two NFL insiders, Tom Pelissero and Ian Rappaport. All five. Yes, I'm not joking, Steelers fans. Woo. All five. Are, you are going to hear later on the Steelers. Yes, sir. Mix. All five of them willingly joined for quick interviews. Yeah. Um, just giving their insight primarily on what could be in play for the Pittsburgh Steelers specifically. So we'll get into those a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, it was fantastic being there, getting to interact with some of the players, just asking them questions, getting to hear how they actually interview and getting a lot of really good rumors from people in the know within the league, people that know what's going on, got a lot of really good information for the Steelers. That's awesome, man. You know, I know you, you didn't do any bar hopping or anything like that. Like they talk about, uh, like where a lot of the stuff goes down with people talking, but I'm sure you got to hear, um, a bunch of rumors, a bunch of of inside information from some people. So give us like a quick two minute rundown of uh, the rumor mill at the combine, specifically relating to the Steelers and what their plans are this off season, what the feel is kind of for that. I know Steelers fans want to get deep down in this, and this is like real insider information here, right? You were there talking to these people. So it's not like, it's not like we're just pulling this off the internet. Andrew, you were there boots on the ground, press pass in hand tell us what you got yeah so yeah this is all coming from people in the know people that are with that get information from within the Steelers organization and they have a real feel for what's going on are we like doing like a straight two minute timer or just kind of going through all these rapid fire Uh, I'll give you a two minute timer all Uh, right pull it up here and I'll get a head start on the first one just because this is the biggest one maybe to a lot of Steelers fans because there's not a whole lot of buzz outside the you know inside the nfl sure but dupree it seems a given that he's going to be cut i think most people expected that yeah. what i did not know is that it's pretty much a given inside the league that he is going to be coming back to the pittsburgh steelers once he is cut by the titans wow. to become that third edge rusher in pittsburgh so i think this is something you can safely get your hopes up for steelers fans it's probably not going to be a super expensive deal and yeah people i've spoken to then pretty much the entire nfl just seems to think as soon as he's cut pittsburgh is going to bring him in on a relatively cheap deal makes sense for both sides yeah the injuries really derailed him over in tennessee and when he was on the field you know i don't know if it was a scheme thing or not but he just didn't look like the bud dupree that had grown up in pittsburgh so that could be huge i'm going to start your two-minute clock now and you can give us the rest of what you heard ready yeah go all right, so on the bad side, not addressing the offensive line. Yeah, that's what I'm Ooh. hearing. The Steelers do not see offensive line as an area of need, or at least a major area of need. And unless one of the top three tackles fall, which doesn't seem the most likely scenario in the world as of right now, do not expect the Steelers to draft an offensive lineman in round one. And it wouldn't shock me if they don't draft one on day two either. Definitely not within their first three picks. It's not a, definitely a possibility, but the Steelers do not see offensive line as a top need. Don't be surprised if they bring back the same starting five guys that they had last year. Alex Highsmith is likely to be extended before training camp. This is one thing that I'm hearing. It seems to be known the Steelers love him and want to bring him back as that second guy with TJ Watt long-term. Cameron Sutton is another guy that they're going to prioritize, and it would shock me at this point if he is not brought back. I'm thinking probably in the $13 to $14 million range per year. You're probably looking at maybe a three-year deal worth $40 to $42 million, probably somewhere in that range. Keep an eye on that. Steelers want him to be that CB1. Not sure. One minute. 
if I agree. But moving on, Steelers want to bring Demonte KZ back. There have already been some rumors swirling about that, probably on a, just a one- or two-year small deal. Um, and Terrell Edmonds, because the safety class doesn't boast a bunch of great strong safety options, I would expect Terrell Edmonds to come back just because of the lack of other options the Steelers have. Uh, Devin Bush is as good as gone. Expect the Steelers to target a mid-level linebacker in free agency. TJ Edwards, name to keep an eye on, has connections mm-hmm. with Andy Weedle in Philadelphia. Steelers expect them to trade out of some pick. I don't know if it's going to happen at 17, but 32 seems like a likely spot for the Steelers to maybe make a move, depending on how the board falls. And um, they're doing their due diligence on defensive linemen in this draft, specifically Keanu Benton. Rumors have already been coming out about that. I think at pick 49, that seems to be an ideal spot. And then it's high probability in round one. It's either going to be Joey Porter Jr. or Jordan Addison, even. Addison Ooh. may even be available at 32 after this combine. We'll see. We'll talk about him a little bit more later on. But those seem to be two guys the Steelers are extremely high on. For a full rundown, uh-huh. go back and listen to Let's Ride Monday morning conversation that I had with Jeff Hartman. We go into further detail on just about all of those. That's awesome, man. That's great stuff. The, the uh, Addison thing at, at 17. That is inter- interesting to me, and you know I, I don't even know if he's the guy I would want to target if all if you have your pick of the wide receivers at seventeen. So um, that's interesting to me. Uh, let me just kind of react to some of these, yeah. if you will, because uh, I I love the Dupree thing. I think that that's a good deal um, if he's willing to take the necessary pay cut. Obviously, that he would need to 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 come back to Pittsburgh and that he's not going to have a LeGarrette blunt type attitude and, um, you know, need those starter reps to be or to consider himself uh, having a place on the team. Highsmith's the dude opposite TJ and uh, Dupree's going to have to come back um, knowing that he's number three. But, man, would that be a, a stacked top three if that's the case. And the Steelers know how to deploy Dupree, so if he stays healthy, huge deal. Um, I got to tell you, Andrew, it it might not be the the best thought in your mind, but I, I'm, I'm kind of feeling this whole not address the offensive line early myself, um, especially if you've got your pick of, uh, of a good corner at 17. Um, now, do I want them to go Jordan Addison over <laughs> Broderick Jones? If Broderick Jones is still on the board, no, <laughs> please don't do that Pittsburgh. <laughs> but if they don't address offensive line early, it's not going to be the end of the world to me. Um, Sutton coming back. I love it. Uh, KZ back Edmonds back. Keep that secondary intact as much as you can. Um, I, and add to it in the draft with uh, a potential cornerback one. That's my thought. Um, yeah. Get Bush out of here. You talked about, um, TJ Edwards potentially as a mid-tier free agent linebacker. Do you think that the Steelers draft a linebacker then in those first three rounds as well? I don't think so, just because there's not a bunch of great options. I mean, Trenton Simpson, if the Steelers were to go outside the box at pick 32, or maybe Addison's off the table, I think that's a spot that could happen if Trenton Simpson's there at 32. Um, <clears throat> I, I would think if the Steelers go one, he's the guy who checks the majority of their boxes. Maybe they go with Jack Campbell. I don't really mm-hmm. see that happening. I think it's Trenton Simpson or no one, but I didn't get any sense that they're specifically eyeing linebacker in the draft. 
I mentioned TJ Edwards just because of the Andy Weedle connection. Sure. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And I've heard people saying, you know, mid-level starting linebacker. And Edwards wouldn't be a bad signing. I don't think Steelers fans should get their hopes up too much for T- Tremaine Edmonds. Although I do believe, you know, just based upon what the Steelers do, that's a possibility. I just don't think if you're signing, if you're signing Kim Sutton, that's taking away from the amount of money yeah. you can spend at inside linebacker. So I think especially if you're especially if you're not playing to cut Mitch Trubisky, right? Um, and make some other cuts along uh, Miles Jack or something like that. You know, you you're gonna where's that money coming from? I know Omar Khan and company are good with money, but it's got to come from somewhere, and you got to sign your your draft class as well. So don't be surprised. Maybe a team like Tampa Bay, if they don't move up for a quarterback, or they're Something happens this offseason. Don't be surprised if a team like Tampa Bay or the Raiders or a team that yeah. is in need. Maybe the the way the draft board falls after a bunch of different trades happen, the Steelers are at 32, and one of those teams is in the back half somehow through trade up, trade down, wherever they're at. And maybe they want to move back even more. Yeah. And the Steelers want to move up for a guy like Addison or Deontay Banks, someone like that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Trubisky is included in that deal. Hmm. That makes sense. Let me ask you about that trade real quick. Um, likely to trade out of one of their top three picks. If it's 32 uh, or you know anything along those lines, do you think it's to gain one of the fifth or sixth round picks that they've lost? Or do you think it's more let's add some more players in, this, in the top 150 um, more picks there? Well, one source told me that they don't think that Khan is going to like not having – a fifth or a sixth and going, you know, that long without a pick. So it seems as if the Steelers would like to at least add one or two picks in that range. I, I think if you're trading, depending on how far you trade down, you'd probably get a little bit more than that. If I'm the general manager, I'm saying give me 2024 20, picks. Cause I think that draft class is going to be better overall, mm. but I, I do think it's likely that, you know, maybe the Steelers, if the Steelers move down, say pick, then maybe let's say they move down 10 spots in the second round and they get offered, you know, I would say maybe a fifth in this draft and a 2024 third, depending mm-hmm. on you know what player may be available that a team's you know trying to go up. But I can guarantee you the Steelers are gonna get offers for that 32 yeah. pick. Um would being you, the first pick. Would you trade out of the second round entirely from that 32 pick, uh, knowing you've got 49 there still and pick up a third and a fifth in this round or in this draft? I w- I would if if I if the, some team is wanting me to trade out entirely of that second round and just trade for that pick, I'd want them to give me a 2024 first probably, oh, wow. um, yeah. or a 2024 second, second plus yeah. a third this year, later third this year, and that's sure. probably not the most likely scenario, but you never know. We should do a whole show on just trade scenarios before the draft because uh, there's a lot with the with the picks that the Steelers have. Um, okay, let me ask you this because this is what I think, just based on my based on what you're saying based on what um you know we're, we've been hearing from uh the Steelers camp if Joey Porter Jr is there at 17 is he the pick I think so yeah. I think he is their guy I you know but coming in Skaronsky was considered the top tackle didn't test outstandingly which nobody expects him to be you know right at the top so it's not a huge shock but I think I think Joey is their guy yeah, he's young. He's athletic. He fits. He checks all the boxes the Steelers typically look for. Plus, he's a legacy guy. I think if if I'm guessing how their board is right now, I think there's a choice of ten players. I think it would go something like Porter, Broderick Jones, Paris mm-hmm. Johnson, Skaronsky, Jordan Addison, Christian Gonzalez, Devon Witherspoon, 
then maybe Deontay Banks from Maryland. Yeah. I heard some buzz about Deontay Banks to the Steelers as well. And then closing it out with like a Trenton Simpson or Brian Bercy. I think those are the only 10 guys that really even have a chance that the Steelers are staying at pick 17. I think if Joey Porter Jr. and and the offensive tackles are gone at 17, I think you got to try to trade out of that pick. I really do. Um, I think at, you're starting to get to the point where teams are going to look at some of these wide receivers. Maybe a team in the 20s, uh, Dallas or Jacksonville, would be like, ooh, ooh, let's get ahead of this wide receiver market and take the the big name that we like still left on the board. And then you trade back into the 20s, you you pick up another, you pick up a third round pick or something like that for that, and you uh, you you've got an, another pick there, and you still get a guy that kind of fits what you want. Deontay Banks probably still there. If if JSN is still there, a team like the Giants, like you're talking about, especially with the free agent market not being great at wide receiver either, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. So, man, that's awesome stuff. I I love it. Um, The rumor mill at the combine, man, it's got to be something else. Did you hear any other crazy rumors about other teams that you just want to, like, throw out there real quick? Well, I was sitting behind one – person from fox sports uh who reports for fox sports um and i don't know what she was basing it off of entirely but she threw out a scenario where she thinks it's possible that the indianapolis colts could trade up to the number one pick to draft anthony richardson that would shake up the draft board if anything you know that that's I, i would say that's probably the biggest thing i've heard i heard some about other teams but the majority you know, pretty much yeah. what we had just discussed, but sure. I'm going to have my, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm going to have my top five players at each position come out here soon. And I'll tell you, there's been some movement at the quarterbacks for me. Um, and there's, I mean, there's been a lot of movement uh, along the, uh, the defensive backfield as well. I just think that there's, there's guys that, that just showed out at the combine and you can't ignore it. And then the tape is good enough to where you've got, you know, backing for the athletic ability that you saw as well. So uh, I'm not going to spoil too much of anything, but I will say this Bryce young is not my top ranked quarterback or my second ranked quarterback in this draft. Um, So we'll get more of that there. And I'm not being too biased either. I don't believe in my, uh, uh, Oh, I O fandom here. So, uh, Let's let's move on, Andrew. I know you've got um, uh, some topics for us to discuss here, so I'll I'll turn it back over to you now that we've got the rumor mill uh, taken care of here. Absolutely, we're gonna and just so our listeners know, if you didn't realize this when you looked at the time lo- the time length of this show, <laughs> it is a little bit longer. But don't you know go anywhere? Okay, we have there's a lot to get to coming after the combine because so much has changed. Plus, we've got the big interviews that are coming up before the break. We're going to yep. get to uh, two of those interviews. We're going to get to Mina Kimes and Tom Pelissero. So you don't want to miss that. Don't go anywhere. But we're going to try to rush through some of these big risers and fallers on offense. So stick with us. We're going to keep you right here, right now. We're going to go for the offense side of the ball. Then the second half, we'll look at the defensive risers and fallers. Jeremy, let's start off with quarterback. Yeah. Uh, we we agree on the faller. Yeah. Um, and you can say what you did not like about him, and I'll say what I didn't like. But uh, where do you go for both your riser and your faller? So I went for my riser. I went with Jaron Hall. I just thought the ball jumped out of his hand. Uh, He looked pretty accurate overall in in drills as well. Um, And I think that, you know, you're talking about a guy that's 
a day three pick if he's picked at all. But I just, I just think that you, you saw him put together a good workout. And uh, compared to the guy I have as my faller, Will Levis, I think he threw the ball better than Levis did in in the throwing session. Um, so Will Levis is my faller, and here's why. There's no footwork. There's absolutely no fo- footwork. It's all arm with him. And um, he went out to show off his cannon, and he underthrew the first two guys on the go route. <laughs> I mean, seriously, come on, Will. Uh, show us that cannon. Um, he settled in a little bit. But I just don't know if it's going to translate for him. Um, and so there were enough guys that had better combines. There's enough guys I like the tape more of that he's my follower. Yeah, with Levis, I, I thought I was in the stands for it. I thought he did a good job overall throwing the football. Um, You could see the arm strength just relative to the other guys in that group. It was clearly, with the other guys that he was in with, clearly the best arm in that group. Sure. But uh, – what really rubbed me the wrong way was in the interview room. And uh, I was in one of the podiums next to it when he was being asked the question, you know, why are you, why did you decide to throw out the combine? I mean, this guy chose not to play in the senior bowl or the shrine bowl. And I understand he wasn't a hundred percent and he was sure. truly banged up this past season there. You know, I'm not giving, you know, people reason to, you know, discredit, you know, what Levis did at Kentucky, you know, he was truly injured this past year, but he comes out and says, Oh, I've got a Keenan. I'm going to, and I want to show it off. I mean, bruh, I mean, <laughs> okay, but um, is that your only reason? You know, you still yeah. didn't explain why even at, at less than 100%, he would have been by far the best quarterback at the senior bowl. It wouldn't have even been close. Sure. Uh, I'm not saying he can't be a good quarterback. He's got the talent for it. But if there's any quarterback that falls outside the top 10, I think it's Levis. I don't think it's even a debate anymore of who goes first between him and Richardson. Richardson's at least showing the want right. to, even though he's not there yet and will probably need at least one, maybe two years of sitting on the bench before he can play in the NFL, you at least know that there's a little bit of a drive there with Levis. It's like, you know, has he lost some of that motivation Has the injuries worn on him? You know, you know, what, what has happened with him, but I will say my riser though. And I really am starting yeah. to like this guy, Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. Man, he did good throwing those deep balls. He's got a decent yep. arm. He's super poised in the pocket. He was the first player I saw when I was walking in on Thursday, um, toward the interviews. He was there with his coach. Um, one of his trainers um, and was just kind of stretching there. I was standing right next to him for a minute. I didn't say anything to him, but I did get to ask him a question during his platform interview. Um, just a super poised guy. Yeah. Um, he's, I think he's going to be the fifth quarterback taken probably pretty wow. early on day two. Wow. That's pretty neat. Uh, I'll tell you when I watched him, I thought, man, this guy is, he's old school pocket passer. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought he did a good job as well. So I can't, I can't fault you there. That's a good riser. Yeah, let's go to running back. Um, we we have an agreement here again, but this time it's on yeah. the riser. And yeah. start off with your follower and then go, tell us who we agree on. Yeah, Zach Charbonnet just didn't really pop in any of the workouts um, in Indy and uh, other guys did, other guys in his uh, realm, I guess. Uh, so I just had him falling down a little bit. Uh, Chase Brown, the riser, one of those guys that just kind of, I mean, everything he did, he was – best second best he was top he was on the podium for and um you know i'm not it's not like i'm bumping this guy up to first round status but i'm telling you what when you've got a guy that's that explosive um teams can make that work and i think uh chase brown is one of those guys yeah i agree chase brown he he was going against so many stacked boxes because he was the only threat on that offense right 
if he was at a powerhouse program, we're talking about him being a, probably close with a B. John Robinson in terms of, you know, just his explosiveness. It was just it was so hidden in Illinois because, you know, well, his yards per carry wasn't always up to par. Right. Because he was going against so many stacked boxes. This guy's athletic. His family is athletic, as we've seen with Sidney Brown yeah, as well. Absolutely. Um, But, yeah, great numbers across the board. Absolutely love him. Let's move to wide receiver. We could talk about receivers all day, Jeremy. There's so much to take yeah. away. Um, But uh, who you have as your riser and your faller? So I've got a couple guys as my risers. Trey Palmer, who absolutely blew away the 40-yard dash. I did not think he was that fast. Same. But he's he's a, a, a solidly built dude, too. I think 6'1", 200 pounds. He fits that big slot mold, and he can motor. <laughs> so that was fantastic to see. And then one of my favorite um, guys to watch uh, as far as tape goes was the the dude out of Princeton. Um, Andre Iosivas. Yoshivas, yeah. However, you say that the guy was was awesome. I thought his forty was real smooth, but I just thought that in the on field drills he looked like uh, an NFL wide receiver, and uh, he he made smooth cuts. He he caught the ball well. Um, you know, it was it, it was smooth for him, and I just thought he was a, a true riser. I'm gonna go with Ronnie Bell because I thought he'd run faster than he did. I thought he uh, would would do a little better in the drills um, and, you know, c- coming from the school he came from, you know, they, they, it's just not good anyway. So I, I'm going to go with Ronnie Bell here. I didn't have a real good faller, so I'm just doing something to irk you. <laughs> See, I was, I thought Ronnie Bell would actually run faster than what I thought. I thought he was going to run closer to four, six, okay. but with Yoshivas, like, like you said, you know, he looked a lot smoother in the drills than he did at the senior bowl where he looked a lot more rough around the edges. I was expecting a little bit faster 40, but still overall in the on-field was a little bit better than expected. I think yeah. by most people um, for me, Bryce Ford Wheaton. And oh, I mentioned yeah. his name multiple times, had him multiple times in the risers portion during that actual season. Um, six foot four, 221 pounds, ran a four, three, eight in the 40, a 41 inch vertical, 10 foot nine in the broad six, nine, seven in the three cone and a four, one, five shuttle time. And just Jeez. for comparison, our favorite athletic freak, Martavis Bryant w- could not compare in any of those categories, except the shuttle where he ran the exact same four, one, five, everything else in every other category, including height and weight Bryce Ford Wheaton yeah. measured out better than Martavis Bryant athletically. And let's not forget. He's- I was going to say he's moving into up close to my top five wide receivers for oh, this yeah. draft. Yeah. I, I think 100%. he is, he is a little bit raw as a route runner. And I will say watching him, it, there were a couple drops that he, you know, were a little bit concerning. One of the deep balls, one, of the, I don't remember which quarterback threw, but it was right there. And he just yeah. let it drop through his hands. I don't know if it's just a lack of concentration or what. Um, so he's not perfect by any stretch, but he is good on contested catches. I absolutely love his tape, and he had a horrible quarterback play. That's why his production wasn't up with some of the other receivers in this draft. So absolutely love him. Keyshawn Boutte, another guy yeah. didn't interview the greatest. His numbers across the board weren't excellent. Had a pedestrian 40, you know, in that 4-5 range. Wasn't horrible in anything, but definitely didn't show out and, you know, after declaring early after, you know, all the drama at the beginning of the year. Right. And then, you know, being this guy that was expected to test really well athletically, um, he's quick, but there's something that just doesn't seem right about his game overall. I have concerns about whether he's a diva or not. 
uh, just the way he acted at LSU. Not a fan of his. He yeah. did not do anything to help his stock this week, in my opinion. He's uh, just but- slight, slightly built as well, I think. And if you're going to be slightly built like he is, you need to run fast. Right. Can we talk real quick, though, before we move on, just real quick about the three cone for Jackson, Smith, and Jigba? Yes, please Unbelievable. do. Unbelievable. 6.57 <laughs> seconds on that three-cone drill. That's 0.3 seconds better than Yosivas, who came in second. I mean, the the agility, the way he got down and in and out of his breaks was insanity and i i don't think i've ever seen a more impressive three cone from a wide receiver before he was great in the gauntlet he was yeah. good across the board jackson smith and jigba had a great workout he's my number one wide receiver i'll i'm throwing that out there he's i if if i'm gonna write an article about this but if it's addison or jackson smith and jigba and you want to pick a wide receiver at 17 uh don't go addison over smith and jigba just because Kenny played with him. Don't do it just because of that. And I think that that's what the the decision would be. Well, I can't disagree with that. Honestly, let's go to tight end. Yeah. Uh, this is a I, this is even a better tight end class than I gave it credit for. I thought it was gonna be a solid tight end class. No, oh, this so is good. this is a good tight end class, both from an athletic so standpoint and blocking standpoint. Um, where did you go with these in both aspects? I went with um, uh, the Mallory kid out of Miami as my riser. I just thought he was so fluid and smooth, and he caught the ball way better than I thought he would. Um, so he was—he's my riser. And then, <coughs> excuse me, another Michigan guy falling down my list, but he didn't fall necessarily as much as guys uh, came up. Uh, Brenton Strange from Penn State had a better day. Um, uh, Schoonmaker was was fine, but he just doesn't have some of the juice that some of these other guys did. So he's my falling. Yeah, for my risers, I'm going to give you two names to keep an eye on. Sam Laporta from Iowa. If he was two inches taller, he'd be a first yeah. round pick. Oh yeah, hundred percent across the board. He's only six foot three, which is concerned, but four five nine the forty thirty five inch vertical. He's actually only a half inch shorter than George Kittle, so it's not you know a huge issue. Ten foot three in the broad six nine one the three cone. Uh, extremely athletic. He's not there yet as a blocker, but he's shown a willingness to do it. I think he has the work ethic. Uh, to be able to become a better blocker in the NFL. You look at what – I give Alfredo Roberts credit for what he's oh, done huge. with Zach Gentry as a blocker. Mm-hmm. Let's see what he can do with a guy like Sam Laporta. I don't know if the Steelers go there at 49, but if he's there at 49, that's the range where I think Laporta is going to go at this point. Um, would be a great pick there. Zach Koontz, which I'm just going to be out front and open for those of you that may have listened to his interview. Um there was an, a certain idiot that decided to ask about <laughs> what his brother taught him uh, pertaining to Christian Koontz, the Steelers long snapper, who, as this idiot found out, is actually not the Zach Koontz's brother. Um, ironically, he does have a brother named Christian Koontz, but it is not the Steelers Christian Koontz. I had to be that idiot to ask that question <laughs> inside the media room. Um, but nonetheless, hey, somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it. It had honestly. So- Thank you for taking the fall on that one. I mean, that was brave. I mean, it it was bound to happen to somebody. So, you know, just (laughs) being out in the open for those of you that may have listened to it and wondering, you know, who that was. Yeah, it was me. (laughs) But Zach Koontz, super athletic dude, uh, was fantastic across the board. My follower was Josh Wiley. Didn't test Mm, terribly across the board, but yeah, the fourth worst vertical, worst broad jump. 
And he just wasn't quite as impressive in the interviews for the media. Um, I can't say anything about the rest, um, but just not the biggest fan of Josh Wiley and my impression I got from him over the week. Let's go to offensive line, Jeremy. Who who is an offensive lineman that either helped or hurt his stock this week? So the guy who helped his stock the most, in my opinion, uh, was Blake Freeland, just because you look at, the, the numbers from the combine and he was tops in every category, um, you know, 40 yard dash. Uh, he ran point one second slower than the fastest one in Broderick Jones. And then he had the best vertical, the best broad jump. Uh, you know, he was just moving really well in the on-field drills. And I mean, you got to take into account some of these guys um, are different sizes, right? And you, you, you've got a guy maybe who's 6'4", 300 pounds. He's going to be able to move a little bit easier than a guy who's taller than that. And Blake Freeland is six foot eight and 305 pounds. I mean, he's a big dude. He's really tall, and he was able to stay low. He was able to be explosive. He was able to have good feet. He moved really well. I think he's pushed himself into the second-round conversation uh, personally from his workout. Uh, my follower is Jalen Duncan. Um. He just wasn't as special a mover as some of these other guys. And, um, you know, he, he was making a lot of top five lists before the season or before the offseason started early in the offseason. I think some guys have have passed him up. Uh, uh, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse is another guy who did well. So uh, there's just some guys in that in that range um, that have have moved up. And I, I just think Duncan didn't do as much to to help himself out so far. Yeah, Olu Oluwatimi and John Michael Schmitz are two guys that did not test well athletically. Trust the tape more than anything. Both of them have really good tape. Right. Don't drop them too far, but they they did struggle in some of the athletic testing. Uh, not great across the board, but a little bit disappointing in Oluwatimi especially. Uh, but Darnell Wright is a riser, not necessarily yeah, because of his on-field testing. His 501 was good, but you know you pay more attention to the split time with the offensive linemen. It was 181, which isn't <clears throat> horrible, but it wasn't one of the better ones. However, in the interview session, Hugh did an excellent job. He was talking about how edge rushers, they have three main things that they can use, which is speed, power, and finesse. None of the, no edge rusher, he he says, can use more than two effectively at one time. Can do one, two of those effectively at one time. And he's went about like, he was using his body up on the platform, explaining like how you, you know, do different things. So like, if you, if he's got Will Anderson coming at me, he's like, and he's using power and, you know, he's coming as a bull rush. He's like, I'm going to use a wider stance. I'm going to widen my, my trunk a little bit and just kind of have a wider stance, just absorb it and come at him. Whereas um, if someone's just coming up with speed around the edge, I'm just going to like shield him around the outside and use kind of just kind of shield him off around the outside. And he's explaining all of this. He, he has yeah. a high football IQ and teams are going to like that. Not the greatest mover, but a guy who's going to, he just moves defenders in yeah. the run game. Um, So he can be a good right tackle in the NFL. Yeah. And he's versatile too. If he had to, in a pinch, he could play left yep. tackle, but I just think he doesn't, he feel like one of those guys, Andrew, that at the end of 2023, when they're looking back at who played the best of, of the top offensive tackles, they're like, man, uh, how do we miss out on on Darnell Wright as the first as the best tackle in this draft? It's, possible. You know, it's very possible, I think. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Steelers fans, we thank you for staying with us for this extended first half of the show. <laughs> We're gonna get some good interviews now. It's fun though. Oh man. Yes, this Stuff is awesome. Up. This is it's maybe our awesome. favorite show of the year that we do because yeah, there's so sure. much to break down. But we're going to get straight into a couple of interviews. Then we're going to have a break. 
So we're going to hear first from Mina Kimes of ESPN and then Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network. So we're going to run those two interviews right now. Going real quickly by Mina Kimes of ESPN. Mina, today the defense linemen and linebackers are, of course, going out. Both positions are positions the Steelers are in need of specifically. Let's talk about linebacker real quick. What is a linebacker? I know it's not a great class of linebackers, but what is a linebacker that sticks out to you in this class? Off ball. Um, you know, I, I really like Trenton Simpson. Um I would say, yeah, it is in the class that has a, a ton of standouts, but he's one that I think um, his coverage ability, he's a really stout tackler. I can see him potentially being stealing. Thank you for your time. Right, Here with uh, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. Just, Tom, thank you so much for taking the time. Just wanted to ask you a couple questions real quick. What is the biggest storyline you are paying attention to uh, this for this specific draft? Well, I think that the quarterbacks are always going to drive everything. There's a lot of teams that need them. This is a better quarterback class overall in terms of what scouts and coaches say than a year ago when obviously Kenny Pickett was the only one who ended up being taken in round one. You don't have that clear, can't-miss type of a prospect. Bryce Young from Alabama might be the closest. There's not a lot of precedent for drafting a quarterback really high who weighed 186 pounds last season. And so teams have to work through that. Obviously, the medical is important for him, too. Um, You know, Will Levis fits the part you know you look at him and he's got all the tools it's a matter of can he put them together and he also dealt with injuries last season so you know it'll be interesting to see him throw for the first time uh, coming up this weekend obviously cj stroud's in that mix and anthony richardson's one of the mystery men in the whole draft he's going to test really well he's got all the traits but it's not generally a traits position so can can some team convince themselves we've got a really good opportunity to mold this guy into a franchise quarterback that's what's going to take the thing in the wrong one Steelers have needs at corner, offensive line, several other areas. Where do you think, based upon what you've heard, where do you think they could go with that pick at 17? That's a great question. I mean, they've got some free agents, too, that they're going to have to um, you know, work through, um, you know, make some decisions at those spots as well. I mean, their history is that they can find receivers later in the draft. I would be shocked if they don't take a receiver at some point. I don't know that it's going to be at number 17, although they may well have their pick of any of the receivers if they choose to go down uh, that path. Um, you know, just thinking through in my head, obviously they've got the quarterback position, the running back position handled at this stage. You can always use offensive line help, and that might be a spot that's worth examining here for them just because it's another position where you don't have any tackles that – you're looking at and going, they're definitely going to go really, really high. So do those guys slide down? There's a bunch of guards who all could go in the first round as well. I would think all those are worth examining. Wonderful, Tom. Thank you so much for your time. You got There you have it, Steeler fans. There's two of those interviews. But, Jeremy, we still have three more we're going to get to right on the second half of the show, right on the flip side of this break. You don't want to go anywhere. We're going to be breaking down the defense, the defensive side of the ball and getting to interviews with Max Starks. Ryan Clark and the great Ian Rappaport right after this break. Don't go anywhere, Steelers fans. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers Fix. Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts with you. We're going to run straight into those three interviews. We're going to start off with former Steelers lineman Max Starks, giving some insight on what the Steelers might do and whether they'll address offensive line or not. 
Ryan Clark about the defensive secondary, what the Steelers could do. Will Terrell Edmonds be back? And then Ian Rappaport with his great insight throughout the league. We're going to get straight into these, Jeremy. Let's do here it. Here we go. I'm here with Steelers, former Steeler Max Starks. Max, just a quick question about the offensive line. Of course, there's a lot of talk about what the Steelers could potentially do in the draft specifically. Who are some guys you may have an eye on in this class, and do you think it, it should be addressed through the draft? Um, I, I think to answer the last question first, I think there's always going to be an opportunity. It just depends on how the draft board falls. I don't think you go reach for a guy. Um, I like the starting five, and you're looking to bolster depth, so I don't think you have to use it in your top 49 picks. But it is something that if a guy falls for any reason and he's high on your board, you take full advantage. Um, offensive line, I mean, you're looking at all three tackles, even though I don't think they'll be there at 17. Um, you know, between Skaronski and Jones and Johnson, I think those are guys that you're going to be looking at and saying, okay, well, those are guys you can add and probably plug and play. But, um, you know, I love John Michael Smith. So it'll be interesting to see. I think he's a guy that's a true center swing guard on the inside. You can start him day one. If you're looking to upgrade on the interior position, he's an automatic guy. But do you take him to 17? I mean, it depends on what kind of happens with the flow of everything. But I, I think a lot of those things can be addressed at free agency as well. And then you just don't reach for an offensive lineman. Max, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. All right, we're here with former Steelers safety Ryan Clark. Ryan, of course, we have the defensive backs coming tomorrow here working out. Steelers are a team in need of help in the secondary. Who is a corner in this class that really sticks out to you? I mean, well, if you look at a guy like Witherspoon from Illinois, he's long, he's physical, even though he's slight of frame. Uh, you have Brian Branch, who's a safety uh, nickel hybrid, uh, kind of in the mold of Mika Fitzpatrick, so I guess we don't need him. Joey Porter Jr., right there from Penn State. His father was a star with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that would be a perfect fit. And who knows him better than our very own Mike Tomlin, the head coach, who also worked with Joey. His son, Dino, went to school with JP Jr., so I think that would be a great fit. One last question. Terrell Edmonds, he's a free agent. Do the Steelers bring him back, and for how much? Well, I think think if the Steelers want to bring him back, it has to be about that connection that he has with Mika Fitzpatrick. But you have to find the right price. I mean, unfortunately, you can't pay everybody. You can't pay everyone that plays that position. Mika Fitzpatrick has the large contract. And every Troy Palomalu, every Mika Fitzpatrick needs a Ryan Clark or a Terrell Edmonds. So you got to find the right guy. Thank you so much for your time. My man. Here with NFL Network insider Ian Rapport. Ian, there's been a lot surrounding the Steelers and the, the changes within the front office this year. What do you see the Steelers doing in the first round of the draft this year? Well, I mean, you know, first of all, where they are picking, they're going to have a lot of options. And I'm not sure the roster is at a point where you say, like, we got to have this guy. Now, in the past, you know, say it's pretty, pretty fair to say the Steelers have been easy to peg at times. I think everyone knew they were taking Najee Harris, for instance. I mean, there's been plenty of picks where people are like, yeah, keep an eye on this guy for the Steelers. I'm not sure they're. I'm not sure they're there. I mean, last year everyone knew they were taking a quarterback, for instance. And it feels like they probably got that one right. I feel like they're a little more open. Uh, and you know, as far as Omar Khan, I mean, he learned from you know, one of the best in Kevin Colbert. Um, I'm not sure there's going to be substantial changes in the way they approach things. It'll be a little newer, a little fresher. I mean, obviously Colbert was a you know grizzled veteran. Um, you know, I think they'll be pretty open. Um, and I think it'll be a situation where we'll kind of let the board come to them and take the best player they can. Could you see them trading up or down, potentially? Um, what's up, guys? How you doing? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say in the past, the Sewers have not done it. I mean, one one big move, you know, uh, comes to mind, when was that, four or five years ago for Bush, right? Yep. Um, they haven't been a big trade team. They've been more of a let the board come to them and, and you know, stock it and, pick who's best. I mean, a trade is possible, but 
doesn't feel to me like what the Steelers usually do. They like picks, you know, rather than jumping up and making sure. Thank you so much for your time. There you have it, Steelers fans. Jeremy. There Good we stuff, go. Andy. This was fun. I have it. Oh man. Who would have thought that we would have been able to get Mina Kimes, Tom Pellicero, Max Stark, Brian Clark, and Ian Rappaport on the same podcast? Uh not me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but Dude, good job there. Um, those made for good videos as well. So you got to go jump on Andrew's YouTube channel and check those out if you want to see the video version. Um, all these guys have have names, right? You've got RC, you've got uh, Rap Sheet, uh, Mina is Mina. You know, if you say Mina, everybody knows who that is. Mina Kimes. Uh, I think the uh, uh, around the NFL crew is trying to get the Pell Razor for. Uh, oh, yeah. Tom Pellicero. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, man, these guys have their nicknames, but uh, it's good stuff. Um, I think awesome. it's a rule that NFL insiders have to be short. I did not I realize how short Tom Pellicero. He's always looked rep- taller to me. Before, but... aren't they look tall on TV? <laughs> and I'm standing next to him I'm like, I'm taller than these guys. Right. <laughs> I did not expect that at all. They're excellent people, though, by the way. Yeah. Just, uh, just very personable people. Awesome. But yeah, that's a good deal. And absolutely. to get two steel, former Steelers on, man, that's good stuff. Awesome. It was awesome. Hope you enjoyed it, listeners, because, you know, that's what we're about. We try to get these interviews for you, and Andrew Andrew scored some big ones here. So, good deal. Well, let's move to the defensive side of the ball, Jeremy. we still got a lot to get to in the second half. We'll try to brush through this as quick as we can, but we want to give you guys truly who we believe made the biggest impact this week. Combine risers yeah. and fallers, defensive side of the ball. Let's start <clears throat> on the defensive line. Where are you going with this, Jeremy? I went with a, a personal favorite of mine, Moro Ojomo from Texas. Um, he's got a teammate in Keandre Coburn. They're very different styled uh, defensive linemen. Uh, Coburn's kind of a Siaki Ika type um, uh, middle defender, nose tackle. But uh, Ojomo has real length, uh, real athleticism, and he tested so well, and he looked super smooth in the on-field drills. If the Steelers want to wait until round four to address defensive tackle, um, you could probably get a Jomo there. Um, you know, maybe push it to round three. Did I say round four? I'm I'm sorry. I meant round three. Uh, pick eighty is probably the better, the the more sweet spot for a Jomo. Uh, you could get him there. Um, he to me was was incredible. Uh, and then my follower is uh, Alabama's Byron Young. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, just didn't move very well. Didn't have a great combine. Wasn't super high on him anyway, but I think you're going to have guys pass him up on draft boards after uh, the combine week. Yeah, for my riser, I got to go with Jalen Redmond from Oklahoma. And, you know, there's some concerns about arm length as well. He had longer arms than Kalijah Kansi, um, but second fastest 40, third fastest 10 yard split, the best vertical broad and three cone. And shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was tops across was the good. board. He doesn't yep. have great length and he's only 290 pounds, but man, this guy is a, a true athlete. Um, I'm gonna have to go back to the tape and you know reevaluate him a little bit because I was Same. not extremely high on him, but I'm gonna have to go back and really reevaluate some things. My follower, my biggest disappointment of the entire combine, Siaki Ika. And I was telling Jeremy before the show, he did not look big on the field. He looked fat. On the field, oh. <laughs> they're they're, they're just oh. another way to put it. I I love Siaki Ika. I think he has the chance to be a great NFL player if he could get into a little bit better shape. He was struggling mm. in those drills. He was awful in every single aspect. I know you don't have to be a star athlete when you're 350 pounds and you can just plug the run. But I we were looking at this guy who on tape, you know, he was pretty twitchy. You know, he had yeah, good feet. At, yeah. 
I know he didn't, he wasn't on the field all the time. You know, he was taken off the field some to keep him fresh, but he did not look like he would have done anything outside of eat a bunch of cheeseburgers and pizza over the past two months. I mean, man, it, it was, me. <laughs> he did not move well. I can't remember one drill I saw that he actually did move well in. It was a struggle. I think he's moving all the way down to day three now, which is sad wow. because I thought an in shape Siaki Ika could be that true nose tackle the Steelers haven't had in quite a long time. Hey, how about value though now, right? If you get him in the in day three and can fix that, that's big time value. Maybe, but now there's concerns about conditioning. You know, is it conditioning? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did not look good. Man. Do, was... do the Steelers want to dive into another big dude with conditioning issues? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've kind of jumped off that bandwagon, which is sad because <laughs> I love Dika, man. I, I yeah. truly loved him. Let's go to edge rusher. Where are you going here? You're going with another Byron Young, but for a positive reason. Oh, man. Tennessee's Byron Young just was incredible at the combine. How many times did we talk about him during the regular yeah. season this year? Yeah, it was, you know, he's he's a guy, we, when you just watched him, it was like, whoa, you know, on tape, uh, it just stuck out to you and then backed it all up uh, at the combine. A 4-4-3, 40-yard dash at 250 pounds. I mean, the guy's running like a, uh, he's running like a wide receiver out there at 250 pounds. Uh, Nolan Smith got all the headlines um, from the draft or from the combine uh, for his four, three, nine. And, but the dude's only 235. Uh, Byron young is, is 15, 20 pounds heavier and running a four, four, three and, and just uh, cruising through all these other drills Uh, vertical. Let's see. <clears throat> looking this up as we go 38 inch vertical leap for Byron young at, at 250 pounds. Um, his broad jump uh, as well. He was tops in the broad jump with an 11, uh, 11 foot broad jump. And he was tied with Will McDonald in the broad jump. Who's uh 226 pound outside linebacker. So Byron young just killed it to me. Um, my, my faller is Colby wooden from Auburn. I just, I just didn't see it out of him, the explosiveness that you want to see from an edge rusher. Um, he'd probably still be a good rotational rusher at the NFL level, but just with what some of these other guys did, Yaya Diaby, um, you know, guys like that that just that just jumped off the screen for you. Isaiah Land even, we talked about him uh, with Matt Nagy. Um, so I just think, uh, you know, you've got to stand out when when a group starts to, to explode like that. And uh, – wouldn't did not to me yeah if you begin to see a theme you're gonna see that this year's combine was not good to most michigan players dj turner being the only exception uh really because mike morris is the next guy on the list he struggled he lost his footing some a couple times in the on-field drills um just did not move well uh his he was tight uh, ran a four nine five Ooh. in the forty. I know yeah. he's not necessarily a true edge rusher. You can move him inside some as well, um, but did not test well. And he was, you know, penned as a pretty athletic dude yeah. um, at Michigan. So definitely not his day. I think he'll test better at his pro day, um, but still not what you want to see um, on the biggest testing stage. But a lot of tweeners in this draft class. Oh yeah, a the, bunch of them. The edge and D line, yeah. And talking about another kind of tweener, but a guy who I think's just proven himself to be yeah. a smaller, like a shorter, stockier edge rusher, Addie Tamiwa Addie Barre Ooh. from Northwestern 
Right now, four four nine in the forty one six one split time in a thirty seven and a half inch vertical. This guy was all over the place and in the on field drills. He was active. He has active hands. He's yep. feisty. He's got some bend. I was blown away by this guy's athleticism. I knew he was a good athlete, but I didn't think he was this level. He's about the same size as um, Steelers third round pick last year, right? Uh, why is his name escaping me? Leal. Leal. Yeah, he's about the same size as Leal, isn't he? He's a little bit thinner than Leal. Is but, he? Okay. A little yeah. smaller. And not quite as much length. But, if I mean, Leal has shown an ability to play on the edge, too. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think they're the exact, you know, necessarily play style, but they do have some versatility, both of them. Yeah. I mean, you just you just watch um, Adabare, though, and he doesn't look like an, a 280-pound dude. Uh, he's chiseled. <laughs> yeah. It's all muscle. It's all strength. It's all power. You saw it on the field. Yeah. Uh, moving to linebacker, Jeremy, I'll start with this one. Cause th- there's yeah. a lot of linebackers that ran good forties, but didn't have great workouts all the way through. Think of a D winters. Think of, um, yeah. several guys. Uh, one guy that did have a good workout across the board was Yasir Abdullah from Louisville, six foot one, two thirty seven. He's got some size to him. Ran a four four seven in the 40, 36 and a half inch vertical, ten foot nine in the broad, yeah. and he moved pretty well in the drills as well. Yeah. We mentioned him once or twice during the season, um, along with his teammate Yaya Diaby, um, as two guys who were extremely product- productive for Louisville this past year. He's a guy that's going to move up boards, probably a day two pick now. And then, you know, not a guy I was high on in the first place, but Henry To'o To'o from Alabama. I think he's trending toward a late day three, maybe even a priority free agent pick at this point, did not test well, had some struggles at times during the season, just not a fan. Uh, but what about you? I'm going to go with Jack Campbell, all Steelers fans crush right now <laughs> from right. the defensive side of the draft. But, uh, you know, just what he was able to do outside of the 40-yard dash, and it's still not bad. I mean, what just was had it? Just had last year. Yeah, four six something. Four, six, yeah, four, four. six, six. His numbers four, put six, him six, next to Muma, yeah. and they're pretty identical. Yeah, and he's just such a big dude. Um, plays downhill. Uh, it's like if if Noah Sewell had actually lived up to the hype, <laughs> you know what I mean. But Jack Campbell is he's big, and then but the the movement skills. Uh, his three cone was ridiculous too. Yeah, for a two hundred fifty. Wasn't like a six seven five or something like that. Yeah, it was six seven four. Yeah, six seven four. Wow. Um, and Anthony Orgy out of <clears throat> Uh, Vanderbilt was the second closest with a seven flat. Yeah, so, solid of the linebackers. He did, yeah. But I'm you, you're talking about Campbell, better athlete than many gave him credit for. He's yeah. my riser here, uh, and I think Steelers fans are going to be clamoring for him as we approach the draft. It's already happening. Cam Jones is my faller. I thought for sure that this dude was way more athletic than what he showed in drills, <laughs> and he just looks kind of slow um, compared to some of the other guys out there. Um, I'll tell you this though, Cam Jones on tape still looks like a good football player. He looks like a linebacker, um, you know, plays with with fairly good instincts, but um, just from an athletic standpoint, he fell short of of what you wanted to see. Yeah, not the greatest athlete in this draft. Let's go to the defensive secondary, Jeremy. Yeah, there there was a lot of guys we could go at here. You know, I'm not oh, going to mention DJ Turner because, but you know, fastest forty. At the combine, he was blazing. Didn't he you was. know? Not a big guy. Now there's questions whether he goes into the slot or not. But man, with combined with the tape, um, he's another guy. But where where'd you go? Well, first I I want to say about about um uh sorry I'm looking at at something. I, I want to say about Turner that I just thought he 
he solidified himself as a as a day two pick for sure. Round two pick probably. Um, he's he's a guy that you could definitely go after. He's got good, uh, decent size as well. And anybody who runs like that just just uh, has has something else to them. Um, but I'm going to go with Cam Smith from South Carolina. I thought overall he he moved the best. He was the smoothest, most fluid corner in in the po- position drills. Uh, the way he flips his hips, the way he moves, uh, the way he tracks the ball. Um, he's, he's got good size as well. Uh, we kind of been forgetting about Cam Smith, but originally he was one of the top two or three corners in this draft. And uh, according to a lot of pundits, and I think that he might actually end up there again, by the time everything's said and done, I don't think he goes in those first 15 pictures so that we think the, the first three guys will, but he's, he's making an argument to be the fourth cornerback off the board, I'd say. And I think you're going to get into the, the later portion of the first round of the draft and teams are going to start saying, Ooh, I can get Deontay banks. I can get Keely Ringo. I can get Cam Smith here. Uh, I'm going to do that over one of these wide receivers that I'm not super sure about, or uh, a defensive tackle that I could probably wait till, um, the end of round two, four. So I just think some of these cornerbacks are going to go. It's such a deep class, but teams are going to start once a run starts on these guys. I think it's just going to go cam Smith. I love Caillou blue Kelly kind of disappointed for me. Um, and it's not that he had necessarily a really bad workout either. It's just, uh, again, a, in a deep class where there's a lot of standouts, you better be one of them or you're going to start falling. And he wasn't one of them. So that's just kind of what happened. My follower was Brian Branch from Alabama, and yeah. I know that he doesn't have to have true the greatest athleticism with his versatility. You know, athleticism necessarily isn't his strong suit. What I had an issue with to some extent was that he ended up testing with the corners right. instead of the safeties, which made it a lot more prevalent. You know, if he was testing these with all the other safeties, the safeties overall did not test well this year. Um, yeah. So it would have just, you know, eh, it's not a huge deal. I mean, you know, uh, Hamilton was it Hamilton last year for Notre Dame? Kyle Hamilton, yeah. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton did not test the greatest in the four. No. It didn't run the greatest 40. I mean, Brian Branch ran a four, five, eight, 40, but across the board, didn't have a great workout. Yeah. Um, didn't even move the greatest in the drills either. And the fact that, you know, he's they put him in with the corners. Is it like is he it was almost like he felt like he was gonna test out a lot better than he did and was trying to put himself in with the corners because that would have boosted his stock. If he's testing as good as some of these other corners that are going, you know, okay, now we've got, you know, talking, I mean. Lance Zerline sees him as an outside corner. He could play outside corner. Oh, we already know he can play in the slot. He's can play right. free safety. That improves his value incredibly. But I think it had the opposite effect on him in the end. You know, I do not see him as a top 15 pick anymore. I think you're looking, you know, probably he'll either. I still think there's a chance he goes late first because tape is obviously the most important thing. And he had a great season. I'm not trying to take away from that, but definitely uh, disappointing in how he tested. Um, but the Illinois safety duo. Ooh, How does a 44-inch so vertical sound to you? Right? Jartavius uh, Martin, my goodness. Uh, yeah. Incredible testing by both of them. Sidney Brown, I actually asked him about the Troy Palomalu comparisons. And, you know, he thought, you know, that was ex- extremely lofty, but obviously a guy that he looks up to. Um, but uh, it tested very well. 449 in the 40, which is, a, you know, it wasn't, you know, a blazing time, but it was a very good time. And he was extremely fluid in the drills. He flies the football and he just backed up everything that he does on tape. I absolutely love his tape. The way he plays the game 
is reminiscent of what the Steelers like. You know, he's a little bit undersized, only came in at like what five, nine and a half, um, a yeah. little bit under 200 pounds, I want to say. So he's a little bit smaller for a strong safety, and he doesn't have, you know, the same size as even a Troy. So I, I still think it's not enough for the Steelers to say, you know, we're just going to let Terrell Edmonds walk, knowing that we could get Sidney Brown at 32 and we're going to take Sidney Brown there. I don't think that's what happens. Yeah. But if Terrell Edmonds doesn't come back, Sidney Brown's the guy that I think would make a whole lot of sense for the Steelers. Uh, even though he doesn't have the size, he's got the heart and he would fit in really well in Terrell Austin's defense. Yeah, I agree. Let, let me say tell you what I wrote about uh, Jartavius Martin um, from – are on my recap and I'll see what you think. Uh, Jartavius Martin is turning in a Juan Thornhill light combine performance that will help him similarly climb draft boards. Um, just the smoothness for Martin was, was superbly evident. And, and when you just watch the drills, the guy was as fluid as they come. And um, I mean, it felt like he was a, a ballerina out there uh, amidst a bunch of, uh, uh, rhinoceros is running around in a lot of cases it really did he was he was yeah. floating when some of these other guys were were stomping yeah absolutely he's got you know he can help you on special teams immediately and a guy who's going to develop and probably get an opportunity to start fairly early in his career as well a guy that i kind of had let go a little bit underrated uh throughout the process right there was a lot that we dove into, Jeremy, Ooh, today. That was a so lot. Fun. It was so fun. We could keep going for another hour if we really wanted to. There's so much to dive into, um, but we're going to leave it at that. But, Jeremy, what do you have coming up on the site this week? So I mentioned my top five uh, players at each position. That's going to come out at the end of the week. Um, if you want to go back and read my recaps from each day, uh, those are available uh, on the website as well. I did a uh, specific article for each day of the combine highlighting the the best performances of the day guys who stood out in the position drills as well um and then so i've got my top five uh coming up and i probably won't hit another mock draft until um after the pro day circuits go through um just because i like to uh, consider other areas of it and you do such a great job on the mocks i know you've got 3.0 coming up here soon as well so um so yeah that's going to come up i'm going to try to stick to more towards ranking the position groups i might even try to come out with a top 100 this year we'll see that will be a must see i'm excited to see that especially when jackson smith and jigba is number one overall i'm calling it right now no that would no. be cj stroud and then uh smith and oh Jigba yeah that's right cj stroud one jsn two luke whippler three you know something like that well i mean uh paris johnson jr is, oh yeah well yeah definitely three uh, Luke Whipler four, uh, Dewan Jones five. You know it. That's how it goes. But I'll throw a Georgia guy or two in there as well, just for fun. Yeah, as he'll <laughs> have DJ Turner down at three hundred and fifty. Yeah. Uh, anyways, there's gonna be <laughs> we're gonna have a lot coming out this week about free agency. We didn't even talk about free agency, Jeremy, or do any oh, sort man, of preview. I, we we need to talk about how the NFL schedule just needs to be adjusted in the off season and then expanded a little bit. Yeah. But that's a different topic for another day. We'll have a lot of free agency stuff on the website. I'm going to be finishing the free agency series this week. So there's going to be several articles about that. I always have my perfect off-season article. That's going to come out either late this week or early Monday because, of course, the tampering period starts on Monday. Uh, so it's going to be coming out before then. So a lot of content coming out. And don't forget about the BTSC Big Board. We are going to 
have a lot more of those coming out uh, as the days go by in the next couple of weeks. Yes. We're going to have more of that coming out as well. Um, and of course, the big one, the big uh, top 200, top 250 board. Uh, we'll have that as well as a way that you can access a draft board tracker throughout the draft that one of our BTSC members has been working on tirelessly over the past couple months. So we're excited to give you more details about that. Really good stuff. On a different week because we are yeah. far out of time. But Jeremy, <laughs> it's been fun. Thank you so much for this one. It was it was a blast. We'll do it again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Legal tampering period coming up. I'm so excited. We'll talk about that soon. <laughs>